You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, culture, and a variety of other subjects from the perspectives of both Gen Z and Gen X. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Hello, hello, and Happy New Year. It's 2022. And almost a year ago this month, we launched ZZ Talk. And our first episode, as all of our listeners know, and all of our new listeners will soon know, was about Star Wars. So we felt it was appropriate for us to begin the new year talking about what is the latest entry into uh, the Star Wars saga, and that is the book of Boba Fett. So today, Noah and I are going to talk a little bit about our reactions to the very first episode of, I think, six or seven episodes of the Disney Plus uh, uh, Book of Boba Fett series. So, Noah? Yeah, absolutely. So, the Book of Boba Fett is a mini-series, and I believe we talked about it at one point, but we saw the preview for this last December uh, during the last episode of The Mandalorian, which was excellent, um, and uh, we were excited for it, but I kind of forgot that it was coming out this year because tail end of 2021, and finally, you know, it sort of popped up again, and somebody reminded me, and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, we have to watch it. So, we have watched it. And I think we should give our high-level thoughts first for five minutes in case you have not watched it. Right. Um, and then we'll go into spoilers, of course, and we will warn you about that. So uh, let's sort of get into it. First of all, um, it's great to see Boba Fett again. I think Tamora Morrison, who is the actor who played Jango Fett in episode two, uh, reprises his role as a Mandalorian in Boba Fett this time around. And um, one of the things that I really didn't like about Disney getting Star Wars was that they declared all of the books non-canon that expanded the universe. So most Star Wars fans knew that Boba Fett eventually got out of that Sarlacc pit, but it became non-canon as soon as Disney uh, bought it in 2012. So for a good number of years, we didn't know if Boba Fett actually survived. And now we actually know. So um, yeah, this episode was Pretty interesting. Um, I would say I enjoyed it, but it was very heavy on flashbacks. There was a lot of work to do to sort of build this up. What would you say about that? I would agree to some extent. I have to tell you, I thought it was really well done. Um, I'll pick it apart a little bit uh, Mm -hmm. in just a few minutes. But overall, I really, really appreciated the way uh, the approach. I thought that it was um, a, a nice extension to what, of course, is my favorite episode, episode six, The Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. And a return of the Jedi, I should say. And um, I just thought that uh, I watched it twice just so I could make sure that I was fully um, aware and uh, familiar with and comfortable with the timeline. Mm. And so in watching it, you know, first of all, I I need to tell you that so much of Star Wars uh, exists on Tatooine. And I say that in part because the other night I had some time and I finally watched um, The Force Awakens. Nice. And I had started it back in February when I had COVID and I had like four minutes into it and never got back to it. And as I, as I said in our episode almost a year ago, The Force Awakens is the Star Wars film that I have seen the least. And it, it, I had seen the, I had watched the book of Boba Fett once, then I watched The Force Awakens. And then of course I watched the book of Boba Fett again today. And that just brought me to the realization that a lot of Star Wars occurs on Tatooine. So yeah, overall, I thought it was really good. I thought what I liked most about it was it brought so many of the things that I think we like 
uh, about Star Wars, particularly A New Hope and The Force Awakens because of the setting, um, it brought those things to, to life um, in, a, in a very real way. So for me, I thought it was a very satisfying 35 minutes. Yeah, in absolutely. Part because it was just 35 minutes. Well, you know, the plan of the Tatooine is integral to Star Wars. And I feel like with each iteration, they need to add a little bit something new that we didn't know about before. Something we didn't see in episode four, something we didn't see in the prequel trilogy or something we didn't even see in Force Awakens. And I felt like we got enough of that here to make it interesting and a better expansion, of course, of our favorite Star Wars episode. It was great to see Jabba's palace. It was great to see references to some other characters and whatnot. It felt familiar enough to what Disney is trying to do to ease new fans into it or old fans while also going for something a little bit more different because the Mandalorian, a lot of it takes place on Sandy planets. So I was glad, I was glad to see that this felt different enough than the Mandalorian to justify itself. All right, cool. Um, I liked it. I think it's worth watching. I believe you're in the same boat. Let's go into spoiler territory. All right. Well, first of all, I have to say this. Um, There is no doubt in my mind now that the meanest creatures in all of the Star Wars saga are the Jawas. If oh. anybody thinks they're cute, they're misinformed or misunderstanding them. They are just mean. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're just rodents. They're crazy. Um, have you seen- They make the Tusken Raiders look like, you know, Mr. Rogers. Oh, absolutely. Have you seen what Jawas look like under the mask? There's an actual no. picture of it. Oh, my gosh. It's um, nightmare-inducing, to say the least. But you should definitely take a look at it. Well, their uh, behavior is reflective of that, then. Yeah, you know, they're scavengers, they're scavengers. But yeah, let's go into the spoiler section of this. So obviously, we know Boba Fett gets out of the Sarlacc pit. I want to know what you thought of that flashback scene, because I was incredibly satisfied with the way he got out of it. It was just the right amount of length. You know, because this was really important, of course, it's how he comes back. And this is what I've known for such a long time. And now since it's finally realized on screen, I was super satisfied with the way he just flamethrowered his way out of it. You saw the stormtrooper being digested in there and everything. Super cool stuff. What do you think? Yeah. I, I thought so too. I, first of all, the whole thing is essentially, as you said at the, the beginning of this episode, um, flashbacks, right? Mm-hmm. And he's in, so Boba Fett is in back to fluid, which of course is one of those things that I love so much about Star Wars and just sort of the consistency throughout. So he's being healed in the back to fluid and he's remembering these things. He even comments someone uh, comments that the dreams are back. But when you see him, I mean, it took me a minute and I was like, oh my gosh, he's inside the Sarlacc pit. I forgot, you know, I didn't forget that Boba Fett succumbed to the Sarlacc pit in Return of the Jedi, but at the same time, in a way I had forgotten. So I had to sort of orient myself. And when I saw him in there and I thought, so cool he's actually we're going to see how he gets out of the starlet yeah which is something that you know he got in it in 1983 (laughs) so i mean it it was a total win for me i I really i thought it was well done and you know he emerges on the sand and of course then the jawas come and they take his uh his armor so i do have a question about how he got his armor back but we'll get to that in just a just a minute but overall i thought it was incredibly satisfying Yeah, absolutely. And while I feel like this episode obviously had to lay a lot of groundwork, explain a lot of stuff just to get us to where we need to go, because it's a short series, it's a mini series that I think sits at six episodes. Um, I think we'll learn later on how he gets his armor back. But I thought one thing that really worked in this was he looked sufficiently terrible. I mean, he was beaten up, they really beat him to a pulp. I mean, he was actually pretty really do for a lot of this episode. And while he's the um, new Jabba, the new crime lord, emperor. I, there was a word for it that they used. It started with a J maybe or something. 
um, you know, he spent a lot of this getting sort of like, you know, getting kidnapped and getting absolutely beat up by these Jawas and getting all the stuff taken from them. So I was just like, okay, you know, he's gone out of the Sarlacc pit. That's good, but he's obviously weak. He can't go and be, you know, an amazing, crazy action hero right now, because mm -hmm. I think we need a little bit of development first. So um, that's where the sand people came in. And I do felt like I did, I did feel like the sand people sort of all that time they spent with it was became yeah it became a little bit weaker like i think we saw enough of them i appreciated how he sort of went into uh the most icely cantina and um you saw max there, which is the elephant that was playing at jabba's palace before that was kind of yeah, i know so yeah. cool another another example of what i said earlier about how it just sort of tied so many things in oh yeah absolutely and um so he's kind of establishing himself. And then, of course, the assassins come. And I felt like that's where the action of the episode needed to mostly happen. I would say that that sequence was less exciting than I was hoping for. Um, I felt like, you know how sometimes it's just like, okay, it's Star Wars, but you don't really know the rules of fights. There's so many fights that could have been ended with a force push into lava or off a cliff mm -hmm. or something like that, mm -hmm. you know? And he used his crazy flamethrower to get out of um, the Sarlacc pit. I'm surprised he didn't use rockets, like, you know, his pistols and stuff to get out of that situation. Sure, they were surrounding him, but the man literally has a jetpack. I mean, come on. That's what he's known for, right? Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I thought this whole, like, assassin sequence, um, it was promising at first, but it didn't really pan out in a satisfying way to me. So I felt like this episode, while it rightly showed him in a weaker state, I mean, he's the crime lord, he's just talking about respect, I felt like he needed to be a lot cooler in terms and capable in terms of what he was doing. But I'm sure we'll see that along the way. Right? Yeah, I, I don't disagree completely. I thought some of the that scene, especially when they started to turn into ninjas, and they were just hopping from building to building was, yeah. it was a little anticlimactic. And um, you know, I, I did like the way they sort of painted the world or they created um, it was a really good setup for, I think, the next six episodes or five episodes. I really liked how um, he sat on, on Jabba's throne, which is now mm -hmm. Boba's throne, and they were coming in to pay tribute. And the is it Gamorreans? Yeah, the Gamorrean were, guards. Yeah. I got, again, once again, it's homage to Return of the Jedi. Now they're going to serve Boba. And they show us that in the way they're defending Boba and his assassin partner when they're in, when they, when they exit the cantina. Yeah, definitely. And one of my favorite things about um, these new Star Wars on TV sort of shows is that you forget that besides the major events of episodes four, five, and six, life goes on on these other planets. You know, after essentially episode six happens, I, they didn't blow up Tatooine or anything like that. But, you know, I essentially think that Tatooine is over in the story. But Jabba's palace still exists, you know? Bib Fortuna, um, that, you know, Jabba's right-hand man, was the cr crime emperor beforehand um, that happened afterwards. I like these references and seeing what life is like without all of these Jedi or just with these small and minor characters. I think those really small, interesting bits of world building lore is what kind of keeps me in the show. Seeing new creatures, new monsters, new stuff to fight around because Star Wars is built for that. It's built for imagination, extra creativity. You can do anything you want with this world. And that's what I want to see more of. I really enjoy the familiarity that Disney throws to the fans, you know, the fan service that they give all the time. But I love, 
I'm always really interested to see how they can build off of those concepts and make something new and really interesting, like the um, sand dragon worm thing that they did in the Mandalorian. That was cool. I'd love yeah. to see more of those creature designs that are creepy. I'd love to see the Rancor again and somebody to fall through that pit, but um, I'm not sure if he can capture another one and bring it over. But um, yeah, regardless, I, I was I was very satisfied with how a lot of this went, um, with the exception of some slow stuff in the flashback scenes and whatnot. Yeah, I would say it's a 25 minute episode that was expanded to 35 unnecessarily because some of the scenes, especially the latter parts with the Tuscan Raiders, I just thought, okay, you could have edited a few minutes from this and still, you know, driven home to the point. The other thing about Star Wars that I love so much is that it's almost, it's its its own thing in that, okay, so the guy who looks like Guido, who is, who is, I think they're um, called Rodians. Okay, yeah. So the guy who looks like him, who's who's um, captured by the uh, Tuscan Raiders as well, his mask, his face looks like a, a rubber mask yeah, that you could buy at a store and wear for Halloween. But in the world of Star Wars, it works. Just like the creatures, especially the second one that he, when they were digging for water, which by the way, they didn't dig very deep for water and they Mm -hmm. kept finding those things. Um, But when, when that creature came out of the the sand, you look at that and you think that almost doesn't look real. It's not real, but terrifying. Yeah. It's very Star Wars-esque. And I think to your point, that's what I love about what Disney has done, has sort of replicated the uh, tone and the feel and the um, the experience that we had, particularly with episodes four, five, and six. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like sometimes these new creature designs need a little bit of time to sit because I was yeah. not entirely sold on that. I love the idea that they dug up that thing and it went into yeah. them. But then I was just like, okay, it looks a little bit too inspired by something a little bit weirder, crazy. That we've seen before, yeah. You know, like the double arms and stuff like that. I'm like, all right, but it might need time to sit for me to actually truly appreciate it and see it as like a natural part of the Star Wars world. But I will be this guy. So this thing was living under sand, quite literally, deep in Uh the sand. Mm -hmm. And Boba Fett choked it out. It couldn't breathe when he put the chains around it. How can that guy don't you know how can it breathe in sand, but then, you know, asphyxiate through Boba Fett choking? It's still a cool moment. It was his, you know, it was his moment uh, of triumph and victory. And we needed that, of course. But I was just... And like, earn the respect of the Tuscan Raiders. Yeah, of course. That was that was pretty neat. Um, but yeah, I, some of it, I was just like, ah, it kind of clashes a little bit. But overall, I felt like this was a very strong episode. It's what I wanted from it. You know, I wasn't rolling my eyes at certain parts or just being like, okay, Disney. You know, I felt like it set things up nicely. It started well. And while it could be considered pretty slow to some, I kind of respect that they're doing that in a mini series enough to where it's just like, okay, we've set the scene. We've set the stage. We're ready for whatever comes next. Yeah. I would say it feels a lot like the Mandalorian in a lot of ways to me, just sort of the pacing of it. I would also say that I believe that the first episode of the book of Boba Fett is stronger than the very first episode of the Mandalorian. Now the Mandalorian got better and better and better in the second season. And Oh my goodness, the last episode of the second season was life changing. But I would say that this is at least as strong as I had hoped it would be. And uh, I mean, that's early praise. We've only seen it for 35 minutes. We've got five episodes to go, but there's that. Now, one quick thing I wanted to add before we sort of wrap this up was there was a point at which when, you know, when they, 
go over the sand dune and they see the Tuscan Raiders uh, pillaging the village or not the village, but the, I don't think the, those were Tuscan Raiders. I think those were other thieves. That's right. Cause he was with Tuscan Raiders, right? right? Right. Yes. Okay. I thought for a moment, oh my gosh, we're seeing Aunt Brew and Duke, Uncle Lars. Yes. Luke's yeah. home mm-hmm. being decimated. And I thought, how cool is that? But then I realized, no, that had happened in episode four. In Storm and Troopers, this is post episode six. Maybe Stormtroopers. Right. I can't remember. But yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. Just for context, this takes not place in, I think it's nine ABY, which I think is like after the Empire or something like that. And I think it takes place about five years after Return of the Jedi. So, okay. so well before Force Awakens. But So uh, Boba Fett was in the Sarlacc pit for five years? um i mean it digests you over the course of a thousand years apparently oh that's right okay so um i don't know maybe if it digests you over that amount of time i think c3po said something to the tune of like it keeps you alive and like episode six he said it's the worst it's the worst experience imaginable like it will keep yeah. you alive while slowly digesting you over time so after five years it seems six. about right but I mean, he woke up in the Sarlacc pit. I'm not going to ask too many questions, you know, at the end of yeah, the day. You gotta, at a certain point, you got to just go with it. But yeah. I thought for a moment, I was like, oh my gosh. So here's my question. The, the creatures were putting J's. Was it J's? Um, yeah. On, they were painting either in blood or something on the, the what? I saw that. On the, yeah. That's going to pop up. That's like a gang of some sort, a crime organization that's probably going to pop up. You think the J stands for Java? And homage to Java? That is actually a really good question. And that might actually that might actually be it. Because remember at this time, I think Bib Fortuna is mm-hmm. probably the crime lord because mm-hmm. Boba Fett hasn't gone back to the palace. He was kidnapped and whatnot. So we're probably going to see uh, a little bit more of an explanation next episode. And I'm looking forward to that. That was a good catch. I, I saw that they did that, but it didn't mean anything to me necessarily. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. like an- I wondered the first time. And then I really wondered when I watched when I rewatched it today. So Okay. Yeah. So overall, um, how many Z's would you give it, Noah? At a, a scale of one to five Z's, how many Z's are you going to give it? I would say three and a half Z's. Okay. I'll give it four Z's. I, I thought it was uh, um, well worth the wait. How's that? I think, yeah, I think it was well worth the wait. Um, I think if you're a Star Wars fan, it's going to be right on par for you. Um, there's one thing though. Uh, actually, let's move into the check it out section and I can okay. Connected to that. But uh, that's our official review on the first episode of uh, the Book of Boba Fett. So we will now move into our check it out section. Um, you right. can go ahead and give yours first. If you All right. Well, I had a couple things, but I'm going to narrow it to one because it's just check it out. And I have some things in the canon for next week. Um, but I've already mentioned it. I finally rewatched episode seven, The Force Awakens. Right. And, you know, I, I, I've said this multiple times now, so I won't say it too many more. It's the episode I've seen the least, and I'm sorry about that because having rewatched it, I told my friend Chris, that is a very, very good movie. Yeah. Uh, much better than I remember it being in the theater. It's the and, best of the um, trilogy, in my opinion, far and away. Well, you know how I feel about The Rise of Skywalker. I love The Rise of Skywalker, and most people don't, but um, I really yeah. do. But I have to say The Force Awakens, I, after I watched The Force Awakens, I was almost motivated to watch The Last Jedi, but I'm not sure I can do it to myself. No. So then I was going to skip to episode nine, and I thought, huh, I wonder if this is just so much stronger, uh, because you know maybe I'll be disappointed in episode nine rewatching it, although I've rewatched episode nine many, many times. So all that is to say, 
if you are in the, the Star Wars mood, which you should always be in the Star Wars mood, check out episode seven, um, The Force Awakens. It's a great story. It's very, very reflective of A New Hope. And that was a lot of the, the conversation when it was out. But it's uh, well done. I think it's well executed. And the story is strong. And the performances are strong. There's enough of the combination of new and old that really just uh, blends well together that makes a Star Wars fan really happy. Yeah, absolutely. And I would, I would agree. Um, it is my favorite of the sequel trilogy, and I think it is the best. But I think a lot of people look back on The Force Awakens and don't like it as much because of how the sequel movie soured it for a lot of people. I think it was mm-hmm. an excellent setup. You had interesting characters. You had Kylo Ren. You thought Finn was going to be a much more significant character. You know, they really set things up very well. Even if it took a lot of beats from episode four, it moved at a great pace. It was never boring. And I thought they had one major death in it that, you know, made it interesting enough to sort of like continue on, right? Absolutely. Yep. So I, I still really like that movie. And I think it was sort of soured by uh, the sequels that followed it. But uh, that side, uh, that is uh, that aside, I'll move into mine. Um, so um, my roommate and I um, were looking at movies and I watched a movie last night uh, by it, Nicolas Cage was in it and it's called Pig. The and pig, so, yeah. Yeah, you I'm probably heard it. it. But the concept is, so this guy, you know, he has a pig he really loves. And then some people come into his house, beat him up, and steal his pig. So if this sounds like the John Wick plot line to you, I think that is a very intentional thing that they did. Nicholas Cage is in it. He's taken pretty much any movie role he can. But I will say, this film subverts expectations like very few that I've seen before. Um, that's all I'll say about it. But you will probably find that yourself very moved by this film and it not being what you expected uh, originally. I thought it was actually quite good and um, I really enjoyed uh, watching it. And I think sitting with it has made me realize that, you know, it's a pretty solid movie. So um, it's called Pig and it's streaming on Hulu. But Pig also had um, one thing that I'm sort of connecting to Boba Fett here. It's fine if you want to be moody and atmospheric and maybe mm-hmm. extend the runtime a little bit. But just like you said, Boba Fett ran a little bit too long. There's only so much you can do i'm fine with like less dialogue but if you're just doing long panning shots without much going on you can use that strategically but if you use it in excess which i think was a problem in uh the first episode of the book of boba fett and to an extent and pig as well you know i I just feel like that's a really artificial way to inflate a movie or a tv show's runtime and i think it can be used effectively but I kind of saw that parallel between the two. So I wasn't sure, but yeah. All right, cool. All right. So that finishes up our episode for this week. Thank you for listening with us. And I believe this is the first episode of the new year. So that's very it exciting. Is. It is. We're yeah. recording on Sunday. No. Yeah. Sunday, January 2nd. So yes. Did a good, you celebrated the new year in a good way, Noah? Um, yeah, I did get to celebrate the new year in a good way. And, um, I will also say because I had COVID, I have, uh, not given my dad his Christmas gift yet, which will be awesome for our podcasts. And we have gotten a bunch of new gear to, uh, mm-hmm. sort of help us, uh, enhance things a little bit, be more efficient with it. So we're excited to, uh, sort of implement that into the podcasting, uh, process that we have going on, but, uh, thank you for listening once again. 
I'm Noah. And I'm Greg. And this is Easy Talk.